Hello, hello, friends, and welcome to the Nintendo Gems Podcast, the podcast where we talk about Nintendo games, both new and old. I am your host, Connor, and today I am joined by the also usually host, Brayden. Brayden. Welcome to the show, Brayden. Hi, thanks, Connor, no, for having me. No problem. Did I do a decent job of stealing your intro? Yeah, you did, you did, actually. We, we are the podcast that talk about Nintendo games, both new and old oh i meant like the hello hello friends i probably need to have my own signature like hey guys or what's up y'all <laughs> hey, listeners if you have a cool catchphrase for connor to use on his next hosting gig you know let us know please like, love of god like an animal crossing villager i we need a cool yeah. catchphrase for connor right yeah i need a i need a verbal tick yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, we got some cool. <laughs> we've got some interesting games, rather, to talk about today. We're a little on the the hidden gem side, maybe, of the yeah. stick on this one. No, no Pokemon, no Zelda, no Mario's here, for better or for worse. Yeah. But we're both excited to talk about what we've got this time around. Regardless, I'm excited. Are you excited to, for yours? I I really am. So excited that you want to dive in first? Yeah, I guess so. I Yeah, we'll just jump right in. I've been playing Famicom Detective Club, The Girl Who Stands Behind, mm-hmm. which is one of Nintendo's newest like digital eShop releases. Right. It's a visual novel series that released alongside another game, also called Famicom Detective Club, but this one is subtitled The Missing Air. I did not play that one. They are prequel and sequel to to one another but yeah it's it's been an interesting experience and is a different kind of game from you know what we usually discuss at least yeah we haven't covered any sort of like visual novel-esque game i know the ace attorney series might be the closest thing we would cover maybe to this kind of game we're not necessarily visual novel kind of gamers being nintendo gamers especially yeah Um, yeah but yeah it's it's interesting it's an interesting time for Nintendo to drop a game like this, especially because it is a remake. I mean, not, well... I think that's an okay way to phrase it, though. It is a sure. remade version of these old games. So yeah, we're discussing Famicom Detective Club. As a whole, we may be discussing kind of both games. And as we get deeper into what my experience was, we'll, we'll just be discussing The Girl Who Stands Behind. Mm-hmm. The, but, the first of the two right so that's the annoying part is it was released second let's let's back up yes let's back up please let's stand behind let's do it these games were originally released back on the famicom disk system what was the famicom disk system Braden? it was the nintendo entertainment system precursor but it was japan exclusive we never got a peek at that mm-hmm. um it was not uh technology that came stateside so the famicom is the japanese version of the nes the nintendo entertainment system that we got Mm -hmm. Uh, it was released in japan a few years before we got the nes but the famicom disc system is Mm -hmm. pretty distinct it was an add-on for the famicom it added a disc drive like disc as in disk like a floppy disk a hard disk like the the squares and the rectangle Mm kind of guys added a disc drive to the famicom for enhanced graphical fidelity, enhanced sound fidelity, um, extra storage, like the, you, you could fit bigger files on a disc that rather than like the little Famicom cartridges. Mm-hmm. So the the Famicom, the which was short for Family Computer, which is what <laughs> it was originally called, was its own thing. But the disc system was an add-on for the Famicom that allowed you to play more advanced games. Um, in addition to Famicom Detective Club. There were enhanced versions of Zelda and Metroid with like higher fidelity music and bigger levels and such. But it, Famicom Detective Club as an experience, as being like this kind of like graphical, um, cinematic, I guess, experience mm-hmm. definitely warranted this extra sort of peripheral to it, you know? Right. And how did this peripheral like hook up to the original Famicom? Was it fitted into the, the cartridge slot? No, it went under it. I think more like a Game Boy Advance player, something yeah, like that. I, I, in my mind, I'm imagining there's something similar for the Sega Genesis, like one of the Sega CD mm-hmm. things is similar. It kind of like makes like this Tower of Power looking thing. Yeah, um, yeah, but I'm pretty sure like the the apparatus itself 
goes under the Famicom and it's just like a slot kind of that you stick the um the hard disks into. Right. Floppy disks, whatever. I'm too young. I don't understand. Yeah. The first game, Famicom Detective Club, was released in 1988 for this said disc system. Mm-hmm. And the, again, this game was called The Missing Air. That was the subtitle. It was released on two separate discs at two different times. So it was kind of a serialized story of sorts, which really added to kind of the mystery aspect of what these games were. You are solving mysteries, solving crimes. Um, And so, you know, just like your favorite mystery TV shows, you know, you're going to have to tune in next month for the second part. Yeah. uh, Which is pretty cool. These newer versions did not play into that aspect. You get the whole story, obviously, when you download the game. But then, come 1989, The Girl Who Stands Behind was released in a similar fashion, also on two discs, um, released a couple months apart from each other. And that's the game that I chose to play, you know, in this day and age. And The Girl Who Stands Behind, the one that came out second, is it a prequel? Correct. That's That's confusing. All of that said, yes. I played the prequel game that is technically the sequel, you know? Right. Right. So back in the 1980s on the Famicom Disk System, back in the day, The Missing Air was released first, and that was Famicom Detective Club. And Uh then, a year later, a second episode, The Girl Who Stands Behind, was released, but that was a prequel to the first. That's correct. But today, fast forward 2021, both of those, the remade versions released at the same time. Exactly. So there's not not necessarily a reason to play them in, like, quote-unquote release order, right? Like, you might as well play the prequel which is technically, I don't know, the one that came after first. Just for story purposes, I would assume. That was my take on it. You mm-hmm. know, I that was I wanted to kind of just start from the beginning, you know what I mean, really build it up. But it turns out like if I were to have played The Missing Air first, you know, there would be some like good payoffs, yeah. you know. I'm I'm sort of a stickler about that. I tend to like to like the the Metal Gear Solid series. Like uh-huh. there's prequels and prequels, but like playing them in release order is kind of like what you Right. The best way to experience the story, you know? Yes, and, and it is kind of cheating to do that, or something, you know? I mean, That's whatever. not the right, that's not the exact right word for it. Or like the Star Wars prequels. Yeah, you know? but see, I'm trying to avoid pain like that. You okay. know what I mean? I'm going to play, like, in the order that makes the most sense. I'm just a, I, I have a phobia for, like, retconning and stuff. Oh, You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that okay. really kind of rubs me the wrong way. And so I try to find the way to experience stories, hopefully the way that will, like, relieve... Yeah, the most, like, logically... Sound, perhaps? Sure. Yeah. Um, cause and effect. Yeah. At play. I think I understand. Yeah, I don't think I needed to take it that seriously for these two games. <laughs> sure. I should have probably just started with the first one. Mm-hmm. Because, like I said, there were some cool character tie-ins that I know were going to pay off later on, you know, if I w- went back to play that first game sequel thing right if it's not clear by now they are meant to be played together essentially you can buy them as a bundle they are only about 10 hours long and so they're very digestible games by themselves you know and so like calling them a duology i think is a fair thing you know the way that Mm. i've seen it phrased before that they were released together and intended to be experienced together yeah it's interesting i mean it feels like the kind of thing these days that they would just kind of come bundled together like if they're intended to be such like a and b experiences like mm-hmm. side a side b right to the same kind of thing like i i figured they would it would be like one package like the famicom detective club collection and mm-hmm. i mean i guess you play them in whatever order right um what is if you had to define it for me a visual novel what are we talking about what kind of video game is this and dare I ask, would you call it a video game? Wow, that was you. You don't that in the too deep big end. a question <laughs> for so me. soon? No, because we we definitely need to define visual novel mm. before we discuss this game any further. Because that's really what it is. Sure, and that's visual novel being like the genre for for those of you playing at home. Visual novel is the genre classification for this kind of game generally. Mm-hmm. To, to be fair, like, this kind of game was not called a visual novel back in the 80s. Right, This right. was pretty, pretty revolutionary, I guess yeah. I would say. This kind of experience was typically reserved for PC games, mm-hmm. games on the computer. Um, they're just kind of, like, 
storytelling experiences. There's right, very character heavy, very text heavy. Yeah, it's truly visual novel. Like it's a it's a story that you experience, and there are graphical and sometimes interactive elements mm-hmm. using the video part of video games to their fullest potential. And sometimes the game part. Sometimes you can make decisions like a choose your own adventure book to affect the plot. Exactly. That I would say, like it's the video game equivalent of a choose your own adventure book of right. sorts. You know, for sure. You, I, with, along with ways to die. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, fail, that you can fail sometimes. Right. Not in this particular game series, but you know, mm-hmm. plenty of visual novels just will lead to failure if you take the wrong path right um and and there's some debate in the larger gaming community as to like whether visual novels are a valid genre of game because not all of them do have failure states not all of them have a kind of challenge or a choice or system or even gameplay mechanics. Right, yeah, you just kind of press enter and read all the texts and mm-hmm. watch all the little cutscenes, and that's kind of it. Right, you you go through the dialogue tree, you read all the conversations, and then you kind of move on to the next screen. Mm-hmm. And then... So is that a game? Well, yeah, and, <laughs> and if you start adding too much game, like if there are, if you have like an inventory and there's uh-huh. puzzles to solve, well, then you're basically just an adventure game. Right. And then that's your genre. Mm-hmm. Visual novel really exists at this weird precipice between like, game or not yeah but all that being said famicom detective club was pretty revolutionary for its time just being one of those kinds of experiences on Mm -hmm. a console especially a nintendo developed one right and so how does that kind of fit into today's gaming landscape would you call it a game do you like visual novels now (laughs) so it's funny because going through this game I realized that I think I have played visual novels before hmm. and liked them, and I wouldn't have realized it. Okay. Because, like you said, I have played the Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney games, starting back from the original on the DS, and I played those games and enjoyed them and considered them games. Mm-hmm. But obviously, I knew along the way I was reading a whole lot, and you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, I sure. was like, this is a story, you know what I mean? And so. I, I revisited a lot of those feelings going through Famicom Detective Club because it clearly laid the groundwork for Phoenix Wright and mm-hmm. some some Professor Layton vibes in there. You That's know? what I was thinking, yeah. The gameplay comes in after a conversation. So basically you're face-to-face with a character or you are in front of a landscape and you have a couple options. You have the option to call or engage them. Uh, whether the person's like nearby or off in the distance, you'll you'll get their attention. You have the option to talk to them, and then you have a couple options of dialogue. You have the option to look around or examine your surroundings, which when you do so, a little reticle appears on the screen, which you direct to an area of the landscape or the room you're in, and you mm. get to investigate different objects around you or people or buildings you know it's it's very it's it's a point and click type experience that they start to weave into this visual novel right that's kind of it sounds like that's pretty standard adventure game fare Mm -hmm. kind of like it reminds me of like text adventures that have like little command prompts exactly yes they they saved you from having to type in those prompts they just gave you a menu to select them from oh i know what we're we're skipping over something extremely important hamtaro ham ham heartbreak is absolutely a similar kind of adventure game <laughs> uh, you I, think? I think so i because you use like the ham chat words as you're like right. your different commands you're right but there are puzzles and there are well, okay, are there puzzles in Famicom Detective Club? Like, I would have is, to does s- it kind of stop at like the dialogue trees and mm-hmm. such and the investigating the scenery? Yes. Um there are a couple good So let me let me finish the the options. Yeah, the... sorry, go ahead. No, you're fine. Um but you you can look around, point and click uh different spots and you'll learn about the the stuff. Mm-hmm. Then you can show the person objects you've collected. So you do have an inventory, but that's a very loose term. You in my gameplay experience, I picked up two items. <laughs> and I, I don't even know if I used one of them. It's, mm-hmm. I don't know. Then you have Think, which is kind of a... It kinda, it'll drop you a hint, maybe. It'll mm-hmm. give you a little more context of maybe what you should do. But most importantly, if it just gives you a, a dot, 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 it means you have more options that you need to go through. You have more conversations you need to have. 
you haven't found all the information out. Okay. Finally, there's quit investigation. That's how you quit the game. You save, you're out. Interesting. Is is it pretty linear? Like, is there? there's not much, like, exploration or anything? It is very linear. Yeah. It sounds uh, like, it, with, especially, like, with the think, the hint system, as it were, uh, it can guide you to, like, the solution for each little room or situation you're in pretty swiftly, right? Right. It It never actually told me what to do, but it does let you know, like, you probably just need to go through the talk dialogue once or twice more, you know, you, mm. because it is kind of like that. Like you have to ask the same person, the same thing a couple times for them to get through all the information. Uh-huh. Whereas like modern games, you know, you ask them to discuss the town once and they'll tell you everything you they know. Sure. But in this game, you have to ask them to discuss the town and they'll be like, I was born here. And then you ask them to discuss the town again. And they're like, so-and-so was born here as well. Mm. And then you have to ask them to discuss the town again. And the town was founded in whatever. So it's... it's. Does it feel archaic in that regard? Like, does it... Like, how much... How many, like, modern trappings do you think... Does it feel like they added? I know I have, we haven't done much hard research on, like, what all is different between the original. Mm-hmm. But, like, does it feel retro? Besides the updated visuals and such? It does. It really does. Interesting. The, the visuals are gorgeous. The The animations are not quite like anime level, you know, fluid animations, but they look great and it's it's very bright and colorful and dreary and creepy when it needs to be. Mm-hmm. But the even the menus, yes, to answer your question, the menus move kind of slowly. One small thing that I can only think is just like, true to the original is you know how some menus will let you when you press up at the top option it'll go to the bottom option yeah it didn't do that and interesting okay but it was also very slow to scroll through all the options like it it just felt authentic like do you think like it was an intentional like there maybe i kind of that's that was my hope at least you Uh know what i mean otherwise it was kind of just like clunky game design i mean sure but at the rate that the rest of the game felt authentic to what they originally were telling, mm-hmm. you know, back on the, the Famicom disk system, like, I, I, you know, it, it made sense. It connected for me. Sure. That's interesting. As a deliberate decision, you know. Right. I mean, yeah, I guess too, mm-hmm. too much modernization for a, a genre as fragile mm-hmm. as visual novels yeah. like, would just kind of turn it into just like a press A to scroll through the text kind of experience, I guess. For sure. Making um, it too convenient. Then, so, if gameplay is not quite the matter of discussion here, how is the plot? How is the meat of it? Is it... It's not about people investigating Famicoms. <laughs> correct? <laughs> That's correct. That's not the mystery at hand? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess I actually do know where, like, the Detective Club part comes from. You play as a young male detective which I don't believe you have the option to be female. You, you, you're just male. Mm-hmm. Um, and then your counterpart is a young female named Ayumi, and she is the president of the detective club in the school. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of is a running theme. You know, just you, you're these high schoolers as part of the detective club. And so, therefore, it was on the Famicom, Famicom Detective Club. I sure. think that's the origin. Fair enough. As for the plot, I was pretty pleasantly surprised because when I watched the trailer, I got some vibes that there would be supernatural elements, like overt supernatural elements. Really? And yes. And I was kind of afraid going into it that it would lean that way pretty heavily. And maybe the missing heir does. But the girl who stands behind ended up being a pretty, I don't know, forensically sound, you know mystery mm. you know detective case crime to be solved with with some rumors and stories of ghosts and stuff that you know surround it all but but it all made pretty decent sense it felt like an episode of forensic files you know that i was playing through mm. it was kind of cool pretty mature for something that was like nintendo developed and published like back for back in the day or for even now yeah but it has some pretty mature themes Obviously, murder mm. is heavy, and it, it doesn't stray from, like, the horror themes as well. One of the final cutscenes is pretty, like, shocking and intense, and uh, I, I was pleasantly surprised there. I don't know. It, it's just an interesting blend of storytelling mm-hmm. 
what is it can you like briefly summarize the premise of the mystery without giving away too much if possible like yeah what who is the girl who stands behind what is going on the story begins when ayumi's best friend who is also in the detective club she is found murdered on the side of a river uh check our instagram we have some (laughs) some screenshots of that first sequence where you know you're kind of checking out the crime scene Um, yeah good stuff but um from there you find out her being the detective she is, this the murdered girl, she was digging a little bit too deep into some some past cases, mm-hmm. one being the girl who stands behind, which is an old ghost story that's told at their high school, um, and she was trying to solve it, figure out what, what the truth was behind it, and she winds up dead, and thus begins the game. Interesting. It's all very straightforward. It's a It's an 8 to 10 hour episode of forensic files that you can't lose i got a christy murder mystery kind of guy it, deal, yeah, right? yeah it's lots of different characters that you're going around interviewing investigating what is the setting is it like it's modern-ish japan right it is yeah like small town city countryside yeah i'd say small city a, a lot of it's spent in a school building or on a school campus mm. uh, different buildings and things like that I obviously can't speak to the missing heir. It may have a totally different vibe. Sure. I was, that was po- also part of the reason I avoided it was because I thought it was going to have like more supernatural, supernatural. elements. Huh. Um, and I may totally be wrong, but that was part of my decision-making process as well. Right. I mean, it sounds like it's my both of them are kind of like Scooby-Doo level stuff where maybe supernatural. There's a ghost at hand, but you, I don't know. It's a it's a real. I don't know, CEO of a corporation that's trying to scare off kids from their warehouse or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah, sort of. <laughs> but with more murder. More murder, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'd have to say, in the end, the gameplay elements did just kind of feel like a means to an end to get you through the story. You know, in the end, I, it boils down to a visual novel more than it more than the adventure game that we were discussing, kind of. Sure. And, th- I mean, that's like the... That's the other side of the coin with visual novels. If it's like they're not going to justify being a game, mm-hmm. you know, too much, then sometimes like adver- adversity, like too much challenge or too much to like scroll through to mm-hmm. get to the plot, the good part of it can like get in the way of a good plot, you know? It's right. Interesting. It's almost a spoiler, but I think I, it's, it's one small aspect of the gameplay that is almost in- insignificant to the game, but it took me by surprise. You know what I mean? Like I, I was pleasantly surprised. You are being threatened by a character, and he's mad that you are looking into him, and you actually have to hit quit investigation. Oh. You know, it's yeah. it's a little meta. It's yeah, a little... No, but that's how you make it a game. That's exactly. how you, like, use the mechanics properly, I guess. Right. It, it twists my brain a little bit, you know. I, I don't know if I like it. If I don't know if I think it's good game design or bad game design, mm. you know, but... It took me by surprise. It was something new and felt right for the story. So, right. I mean, if any, it's moments like that that justify it being a game. Uh huh. Uh huh. You know, I don't know. Same thing for like Professor Layton. Sometimes, like they're all the puzzles are just like in a vacuum. A puzzle that you solve, you solve so many puzzles, check so many boxes to get the pl- plot moving forward. But sometimes mm-hmm. there's one that is like plot intensive or like key to it. You know, that, right? Like, makes it. I don't know. Move forward a little bit. Or more organically, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, that's not a great example my own self. But yes, the the games that like justify themselves as games by subverting their own genre, it, yes, those are memorable moments and make them make the whole experience typically usually worthwhile. You know, it, things like that happened a couple times. That's the the big example that I I'll bring to the show. Mm-hmm. But and that I think that's probably why I'm stepping away from the game with a positive reaction to it. You know what I mean? It didn't feel like time wasted. It was entertaining. I don't play many visual novels, so maybe there was some, like, novelty to that. Sure. You know, um, if, if I played more, maybe it wouldn't be as great. It, it might have been underwhelming compared to the rest of the visual novel genre. But but I had a good time, and I, I have to appreciate Nintendo dredging up kind of this long-lost... Japanese only game a relic yes yeah but I mean the fact that it feels so I mean again we're not visual novel 
enthusiasts, but like it can still feel so fresh and still fit right in. I, as far as I can tell, with other visual novels, like mm-hmm. in up to the same standard, and like still feel even as like a retro game, like what regardless of genre, still feel worth playing today, and like right. like it's still enjoyable. Like that's still saying something because mm-hmm. it's always. It is a bit of a relic. It was almost forgotten, sort of, but it it is also like has quite a legacy. Like, um, sure, there is a trophy um, for Ayumi has a trophy mm-hmm. in Super Smash Bros. Melee right. way back in the day. So there is like some relevance there. They, I think they have some spirits in Smash Ultimate too. It's true. Yeah, so it's it's another one of those Nintendo properties that truly isn't like all the way forgotten, um, but might not have just like gotten its due diligence in the meantime. But especially in the west i mean oh, yeah it's if you've not never heard of it before 2021 like me you know what i mean you you are totally justified yeah. you know to to be there and the guts kind of to introduce it to the west as famicom detective club uh-huh. still is is an interesting choice they yeah. could have westernized it localized it a little more organically but I'm, i mean i'm kind of glad they didn't mm-hmm. it, whether mm-hmm. it makes it confusing or not i don't know it, it you, we were discussing earlier a little bit before recording that it, it's just a weird time for them to do this kind of thing yeah but visual novels are at an all-time high popularity so like i don't know why not i guess somebody got bored in quarantine and <laughs> yeah. going through the oldies just through the filing cabinets and nintendo's headquarters yeah what about this game i don't know we touched on it and i don't want to dive right back into it but just how derivative that that, that has a negative con- connotation to it derivative but that the ace attorney series really oh, is mm-hmm. those are games those have <laughs> exploration, different areas that you can visit at any time. You know what I mean? Like there's there's definitely more to it that make the Ace Attorney games more game-like. But holy cow, if I wasn't just playing the 80s version of Phoenix Wright. Yeah. It's crazy. I don't know, man. We, I'm the resident games as art guy here. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, games interactive interactive experiences yeah. win states fail states what makes a game winning losing challenge mm. who's to say really i think our vocabulary is just inherently limited i think it's all semantical we should be robots we sh- are robots. then we'll truly understand video games possibly i can't wait for my consciousness to be uploaded into my <laughs> nintendo switch <laughs> so that i can meet mario finally my hero yeah, yeah. that I, that's kind of all i have for famicom detective club i wanted to touch base on it get and, my thoughts out and you got you have missing air right the the other part i don't oh. actually do you intend to play it now i'm not sure i paid 34.99 for the girl who stands behind. Uh-huh. The missing heir is also 34.99, but if you buy them as a bundle, you get $10 off. And actually that that offer stands true even if you don't buy it as a bundle. If I go back and buy the missing heir now, I'll get $10 off of it. So, so it's 60 60 for both. Okay. If you only want one, it's 35 in tax. It's consistent with Nintendo it is. pricing rationale uh i don't i can't can you speak to whether it's worth it or not who do you recommend it for do you recommend it again it was just such a i hate saying novel experience (laughs) (laughs) but i feel like if any game warrants the term yeah but just for me having not played any kind of text heavy games like that in a long time besides maybe like Catherine. oh yeah sort uh of i would say Catherine is comparable yeah but even it has that whole puzzle sure. sequence, you know, it's regardless, I hadn't played anything similar in a long time. And so the money felt worth it. It felt like a good long movie, like a good long book, but plenty of people would not enjoy it. I think bottom line, buying the double pack is like a good deal. I think $60 for both. That's probably an okay deal mm. considering the work that it went into them, reviving them from the dead the art is great, and they are enjoyable experiences. And maybe there, gavel down, pow, pow, easy peasy. And maybe by if it gains popularity, we'll get even more Famicom Detective Club franchise in the future. Maybe. Representation. That'd extension. be cool, like new original games in the series. Yeah, because there is that third game, but it's like oh, yeah. this weird like sequel spinoff thing for Satellaview. 
Um, we'll we'll touch on Satella View someday. That's a <laughs> that's a whole different Nintendo peripheral beast. I don't. Uh, it scares me, dude. It's awesome. It's so cool. But but a different day. Yeah, and so that's that's you know obviously part of the reason they didn't even remake that. That's right. just an entirely different experience to be had altogether. But yeah, if they, I mean, if they brought back the series as like a Phoenix Wright competitor almost, you know, I could see yeah. it happening. That'd be cool. That would be cool. Yeah, maybe. What's next, Brayden? What are we, what are you excited to talk about next? <laughs> what so, are we going to talk about? All right, look, I'm going to break it down for the audience. Don't you, you shush your mouth. I am, <laughs> can't wait to break it down for the audience. I had this great idea, guys. I played the girl who stands behind, right? I told Connor, you're the artsy fartsy guy. Go back, don't emulate because that's wrong, but maybe find a way to play a translated version of The Missing Air for Famicom. Like, find a way. This sounds pretty tricky so far. I think you could have done it, but you didn't. <laughs> and we could have had a great Famicom Detective Club episode, talk about how it plays, you know, for the original, the modern. But Connor said, no, I'm playing this great game that me and my roommate got called Soul Divide. And I said, all right, it must be pretty good. So I'll let you take it from there, man. I don't know. What are we doing? Soul Divide? What's that? There's a, there's a lot I need to touch on. First of all, <laughs> I am a busy, busy man. I Not to get too personal on podcasts, but I quit. I have two jobs. I quit one of them. I'm starting another. I've got my music. I've got other extracurriculars. My personal life is, is, is jam-packed with things that I value. Um, and so sometimes it's hard to justify sitting down, diving in headfirst to an archaic retro game that requires my attention and my engagement. And sometimes I just want to pull out my Switch, yeah, play something light. I want to play a few rounds of Smash Online. I want to play Soul Divide. <laughs> um, you know, there, there are some hoops that one needs to jump through. And I, not that I'm not willing to jump through hoops for the sake of my poor brother or yeah. our poor audience for the sake of a good quality episode. Mm -hmm. But needless to say, the stars didn't quite align for this one. And I do <laughs> formally apologize to everyone involved that I might have been inconvenienced in this matter. However, here we are. We got a gem. We have a hell of a gem for you folks now. I am going to start by <laughs> reading... I have by reading from the Nintendo eShop. This is an excerpt. Uh, and by excerpt, I mean this is the entire eShop blurb for Soul Divide, Sword of Darkness. Audience and Brayden, tell me if this doesn't make you want to download this game right now and just <laughs> rip through the whole thing. We're excited. All right. Vorg heard a rumor that the army of Satan was searching for treasures called Seire Stones, which led him to think that the time for revenge has come. The tale of magic, sword, and vengeance starts now. Any questions? Was that from the Bible? It's just about. There's a lot. <laughs> so Soul Divide, let me spell that for you. S-O-L space divide not like a soul like in your heart right um soul divide colon sword of darkness is a shoot 'em up i guess you could call it like yeah. a scrolling shoot 'em up um which is not really a genre we've touched on in the podcast um but it was originally re released in the arcade as shoot 'em ups are commonly by psycho who are like a actually like pretty prolific shoot 'em up developer. Like mm -hmm. they made like Cannon Spike and Strikers 1945. Mm -hmm. What's the one? A Gunbird. You know, all games that Braden loves and yes. is extremely familiar with. I love arcade games. Um, comparable to like Cave and Toplon, kind of, you know, household names. Yeah, naturally. Um, for sure. All my, all my retro heads know, know where He's I'm at. He's smirking so smugly right now. It's delicious. I love <laughs> I'm lapping the tears off of Braden's face right now. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so Soul Divide is is another shoot 'em up from Psycho. But while Gunbird, Cannon Spike, and all those above are held in relatively high regard, Soul Divide is not. <laughs> it is one of the less popular, less well known, and less revered for decent reason. <laughs> but okay. but it is just so weird and unique and interesting and dumbfounding mm -hmm. in a lot of ways that is just worth 
pulling up from the dredges and talking about and forcing yeah. you to talk you to talk to me about it uh-huh. and forcing the audience to listen to me talk about it yeah any questions so far why is this like their their failed project psycho um because it sucks kind of the the so it's a shoot 'em up it's mm-hmm. it's actually it's like the, the the problem is that like the gameplay conceptually is really cool and mm-hmm. playing it is really fun it's a shoot 'em up for those who for those of you playing at home that are not familiar a shoot 'em up traditionally is the kind of game that you see in arcades um where you play as a spaceship that's like shooting down enemies you are like typically scrolling the screen is scrolling upwards mm-hmm. or to the right and you're shooting down other ships and there's bullets all over the screen um you know that kind yeah. of thing the galagas but also like the tyrians the gradiuses mm-hmm. those kinds of things um you'd know it if you saw it i assume i don't and you've to... played them a dozen times right exactly um and this is one of those but instead instead of a spaceship you are like a floating guy yeah um, kind of contra looking almost but from a different perspective right kind of it's so if you couldn't if you couldn't tell from the eShop blurb which just is such a great so great at selling the game i feel like yeah really made me just like want to mash the purchase button <laughs> um when i saw it uh it's a it's fantasy it's all fantasy it's like high fantasy like yeah. D fantasy you can choose from one of three characters which is cool mm-hmm. because like most yeah. shoot 'em ups you just play as one ship you can play as Kashan, who is this purple guy who wields a spear Cool. uh vorg who i've mentioned yeah who is this oh. yeah he's the dark knight from silverna he wields a sword Sick. or tiora who is a wizard um and they they each have like their own strengths and weaknesses mm-hmm. um so it's like it's a little innovative in that regard you know you don't often get more more than one character to play as in yeah yeah but you play as like these like big ass characters that are like floating around the screen like yeah like all and and all of the enemies typically are also like big sprites they take up large yeah. amounts of the screen like your character i don't know what uh, if like you, if you a had quarter to, of the screen height wise at least yeah i and yeah break the screen up into like columns or something i don't know he takes up like a sixth or seventh of the screen you yeah. know like it's crazy and it sounds like nickel and diming but like when you think about traditional shoot 'em ups like you play as like this bite-sized ship that's zipping around like a screen full of bullets you know right uh-huh. um with larger than life bosses and such mm-hmm. uh so for the character sprites to be so big is pretty uncommon and mm-hmm. and all the enemies are the same way like you're fighting other humans wizards skeletons um the bosses are larger than life they're like mm-hmm. these huge cool monsters it's funny that we're doing this right after Donkey Kong Country because it's the same thing. I was going to ask, man. It's it's a it's like it looks like a cross between Donkey Kong Country uh-huh. and Mortal Kombat. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It's the same kind of digi- digitized CG rendering that yeah. we talked about last episode. 3D models turned into sprites, kind compressed of. and pixelized. And to me, my brain always goes back to like it's like sprite stop motion almost. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean like I mean which is all animation is <laughs> right um yeah like the the um the character sprites are like relatively detailed like mm-hmm. they look pretty cool but the big monsters like the boss monsters are very yeah. detailed and they look they kind of do look like claymation mm-hmm. you know it's hard to say objectively that it looks good mm-hmm. i feel like it's a bit more heretical to say that donkey kong country might not look good yeah that it hasn't sure. aged super well but it it you would be fine no one would hurt you for saying that soul divide does not look good anymore considering the visual style i think it looks cool i really like that almost like uncanny look Mm -hmm. that like the 90s cg sort of rendering has i came into your house and you were playing it before we started recording and i have to say like i feel like that style of sprites that animation style fits a more realistic style of graphics right donkey kong country felt a little weird to me like because it is supposed to be like cartoony and it's it's not going for any realism at all necessarily whereas this like they would have made them as realistic looking as possible if they could right and i feel like it uh, it fits better i am inclined to agree only because my my opinions on the matter are 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 nuanced and it's kind of a rabbit trail but given the era like the newness of 3d rendering technology i feel like they everything was kind of trying to look a little too realistic 
because everything that was trying to look realistic didn't look realistic mm-hmm. like by today's standards i don't know it's like this weird line of like i don't think <laughs> yeah. like the fidelity to which they could make things look realistic at all uh-huh. was is not what it is today sure you know so whether they were trying to make donkey Kong country look realistic but it looks cartoony or vice versa or for this like i don't know yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a... I, I know what you mean i think and i i think i agree that like this pre-rendered style the 3d models and such like the grittier kind of mm-hmm. fantasy it's almost like gothic fantasy too yeah yeah uh it does suit this kind of setting a little better I think you got your words around it a little better than I did. It is a weird I, topic that yeah, it's, we aren't nailing very effectively. <laughs> very, but. but yes, so visually it's interesting. The music is nothing to like super write home about. It's just kind of like normal uh-huh. MIDI fantasy stuff you'd hear on like maybe the Super Nintendo as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also, because it's an arcade game, you probably wouldn't hear much of the, um, sure. the music anyway over the music of all the other games in the arcade. Mm-hmm. There's also digitized voice samples all over the place, which is kind of cool. Saying real words? Kind of, sometimes. There's, if, um... Is it... Yes, a lot of that. A lot of grunts and yells. But uh-huh. if you couldn't tell from the eShot blurb, it is very plot-heavy. <laughs> Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> I just, it's... It's... it's. I kind of want to sit on this topic for a second. You can get say what you want to say, but... It's hard to know what to say, because, like... The fact there's just this massive disconnect. This is not an uncommon thing mm-hmm. for games of this era and games of this level of like obscurity mm-hmm. to be like mismarketed like this. But there's just this like fascinating disconnect to me that the entire eShot blurb is about like the plot, mm-hmm. and the plot is so insignificant. It's significant in the game, but it just like is is equally as incomprehensible in the game as it is in the blurb. Right. Playing the game does not make the blurb make any more sense and vice versa. Sure. So there is a plot and there's like dialogue in between some of the levels. So the end the ending is actually surprising too, but go on. Um well, what are you what are you thinking? But I mean, so you 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 called it high fantasy and derivative of D D. Mm. Is it drawn from anything? at all is it a warhammer relative somehow Mm. you know because there's plenty of weird warhammer games that are just called soul divide but then (laughs) you know there's the tiny little banner underneath warhammer 40k and whatever that's a you know a dumb example but in D &D, like yeah same thing baldur's gate um tool of the planeswalker that's something different but yes i know what you mean so Vorg, we we should not know who he is from any other media or franchise or anything. That's kind of what I what I'm saying is like there there, no. Okay. Not that I can tell. I okay. did some research, and nothing that I could tell was like this is an extended part of like the Dungeons and Dragons universe or or Warhammer or mm-hmm. I don't know like and, Magic the Gathering. Like there's no, as far as I'm aware, there's no prior mythology that mm-hmm. one could be familiar with to make this make more sense maybe yeah. the, like I, I don't know maybe there's some obscure novel series but nothing nothing that i read about this game made it sound like it's part of a something else a greater work okay which is where that like disconnect comes from like the fact that like the eShop blurb is so intent <laughs> yeah. on getting the story through to you mm-hmm. even though it just doesn't it is just nothing it's nonsense. And so it was originally an arcade game. Correct. In our discussions, we've covered that it was released for the PlayStation 1 and mm-hmm. had a couple little extra features, which we can... But even if it was a PlayStation 1 game or go back to an NES game, say this game was released for the NES, you know, as mm-hmm. a side-scrolling shooter with a story, they would have put that story in the instruction manual. Right. Correct? Correct. If you're in an, at an arcade, what the heck, dude? Like, I just... It, 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 I think it would have been on the cabinet, on the cabinet itself, along with like some game instructions. There are also like cutscenes. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Like that's the, you can't justify it. <laughs> yeah, because like here we are in the twenty first century, and they had the chance to make it make sense uh-huh. and to be make it engaging with this eShop blurb. Sure. You can read the manual on this digital this eShop version of the game. Okay, yeah. Um the the Switch version has like a digital manual that like tells you how to play the game and stuff, mm-hmm. which would have been on the cabinet, you know, and like sure. arcade flyers were also a thing back in the day and mm-hmm. posters. But like now with a modern digital release, yes, this was their chance to I don't know, make it make sense, make it engaging, yeah. but like no, like it's just like it's, I don't know. Nobody cares. There's no point. It's not what it's about. It's kind of what it's about. 
I think it's beautiful that it is just nonsense and uh-huh. it just drops you cool. in. I think that's okay. what makes it funnier and more interesting to yeah. me. I love that kind of stuff. Oh, it's cool. This is a this is a port, a direct port of the arcade version. Mm-hmm. Um, right. The Switch kind of has, like, the Switch eShop kind of has, like, now this extensive library of, like, pretty faithful arcade ports of, like, mm-hmm. a lot of games. Yeah, that's um, cool. Even just, even beyond, like, the Psycho stuff, like, a, from a lot of different um, arcade games that were unavailable up to this point on, like, any console. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is one of those. It has, like, a lot of different options. You can change the difficulty. Um, mm-hmm. You can change a lot of the visual filters. You can um, that's cool. add as many credits as you want to give yourself a challenge. Right. But yeah, so it's it's pretty it's it's a direct port of the arcade version, and so the gameplay is it's a shoot 'em up. You're playing as these big characters on the screen. Um, it's all fantasy, so you're not shooting bullets. You're throwing spears <laughs> and knives and stuff. Yeah. Um, one character throws spears. One throws knives. The other uses like magic blasts. And you also have this melee attack. In, in addition to shooting, you can also like hit enemies with a melee attack. Get up close. Yeah, and it's it's really satisfying. It's not that alone is something that is very unique to this game that a lot of shoot 'em ups don't have. Right. Um, it makes it feel it's it's just really satisfying to beat the enemies. A with, little more like a action sword. oriented or something than yeah. just keeping your distance and it, avoiding it, at all costs. Right, and it 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 makes the whole thing feel very like beat 'em up esque in a way too. Sure. In addition to like the three different playable characters, and like you also have these magical spells that are like kind of screen clearing blasts of whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It feels a lot like Golden Axe. Yeah, you know what I mean. Which is a good game. It is a good game. That's a, a Sega Genesis classic for those of you not in the know. If you've got the quarters, you can drop in co-op, or if you're playing on Switch, you can just press A. You know, it feels it feels very old school beat 'em up esque in a lot of in a lot of its sensibilities. Yeah, and the three characters they play a little differently. Um, the magic girl, her range, her like bullets, her magical bullets are stronger than her melee attack. And then mm-hmm. the sword guy, his melee attack is more powerful and his range attack is not as powerful. Yeah. Each character also has their, like I mentioned, there's magical spells. Um, enemies, when you defeat them, can drop health. They can drop yeah. items that increase your maximum health. Um, they can drop things that refill your magic meter or they mm-hmm. can drop additional spells for your magic your magic attacks are just different like screen clearing things are they all screen clearers no because you had like a dozen different spells up there and i only saw you use like two yeah you can you collect like a a good amount through the game Mm -hmm. um through through like a playthrough like and and they are collected from fallen enemies Mm -hmm. um there's like a flamethrower that just like shoots a straight streak of flame in front of you there's a screen clearing thunder attack there's a an ice attack that freezes all the enemies Mm -hmm. there's a slow attack that you shoot at an enemy and it slows their movements oh, in addition cool. to their attacks yeah um there's one that makes you invulnerable there, there's a lot of variety uh-huh. and like and and alone already like this is just a very cool port of a game and a cool game already in that it's a shoot 'em up that it has so much replay value yeah with all the characters all the different spells and stuff uh-huh. you know the different difficulty settings well and like that sounds really underwhelming for just like any game that would come out for a console or sure. something. But for an arcade to have so much, so many different spells and attacks to use, mm-hmm. and and yeah, truly different actual replayability. Right, and it, especially if you were playing it in an arcade, like yeah. you would want to keep going back and playing it with mm-hmm. a friend to like play the different character or like try something different. There's also splitting pads. It's a shoot 'em up. It's linear. It's level by level, but. Depending on which character you choose, the first level is different. And also yeah. there's a point or two where you can choose a different level to go to, like, like a branching pad, sort of. Uh-huh. Um, it's not too significant. It basically is almost the same thing, but <laughs> it's cool in theory. Yeah, um, basically also, Sonic Adventure 2. Oh, yeah, man. Also, but like Golden Axe-esque, again, you know, too. Yeah. Oh, and, and each magic attack has, takes a certain amount of your magic meter, depending on how powerful it is. Each character also has a few unique magic attacks, unique to them. It's a cool game. Conceptually, it's a cool game. And it's fun to play. That's And that's about where the good ends, unfortunately. Because each level is like a minute and a half long. <laughs> and the whole game is like 10 minutes long. Dang. Like it's... Which is good for arcade players. Cost you like a dollar. Yeah, true. And and the default setting, the normal difficulty, and the default amount of credits the Switch version gives you, um, mm-hmm. it does offer some challenge. Like you, okay. if you were playing it in the arcade version, at least for me, 
than my skill level, I don't know. I would have to put in a quarter or two to keep it going to see the end. And obviously you can alter the difficulty a little bit to make it lengthier and make it mm-hmm. a little more challenging. But yeah, it's a it is even by shoot 'em up standards, it is a short, 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 short game. Interesting. It's like eight levels, maybe. Uh-huh. The the levels themselves are just like I would say maybe a dozen enemies total. Like a dozen That's or bizarre. It's interesting. So it's, it's not one hit kill enemies. Like you will right. have to punch your enemies a couple times and throw a spear and yeah. zap them with your spell. And that also is very beat em up esque. Uh-huh, you know, because uh-huh. like traditionally in these old shoot 'em ups, you know, you, you are just like spraying bullets and like it's and like. And they blow up. Yeah, and it's these also like tiny targets that are zipping around the screen and you're avoiding their tiny bullets, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's no more than a half dozen em- enemies on screen at once and they are just kind of like floating around and uh-huh. you have to shoot bullets at them and bash them with your melee weapon like a lot for them to to mm-hmm. die and yeah you there's like a couple clusters of those kinds of enemies per level and then you fight a boss maybe and right then you move on and there's like maybe eight of those and the gameplay is fun and again like it warrants a lot of replay value to keep you playing but it's just interesting that they didn't pad it out more than they did what year did this originally come out i don't think we said so yet I'm curious where the industry standards were at that point, you know, and what Psycho had done before, because like you said, you know, those are some games that I recognize the name of and whether those came out before or after. So Soul Divide came out in 1997, which, yeah, they should have known better. (laughs) There was certainly even from themselves like Gunbird, Strikers 1945 and Sengoku Blade were already all out at that point. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It's but and, and again, this is. One of their less revered titles. It's I think it's a Nintendo gem because it's so unique and different and interesting. And I think even I think hidden gems are hidden oftentimes for a reason. I think they are niche. I think they're for certain kinds of gamers to mm-hmm. appreciate them. And I think they're flawed typically. Sure. Like they're missing something, but they have some sort of novel idea that makes them notable. That Redeeming makes them quality. Gem. Yeah. Yeah. Something that makes them. Like, because there's shovelware, there's there's stuff that's not worth playing at all. Of course. And then there's hidden gems that have some sort of notable factor. And I think Soul Divide <laughs> has something there. I it's hate unique. to say it, but like even, yeah, the 10-minute the playthrough that I saw you go through, yeah. I, I have to agree. Like, there was something captivating to it. Like, it's interesting. Yeah. And again, like, plot-wise, I don't know, the ending, for all the... All the shit that we talked about the story, the the ending was actually shocking. It was, I mean, uh, not to spoil it for whoever, whatever <laughs> listeners. The 10 minute playthrough. Yeah, but the one of the, it, I was playing co-op with my roommate and one of our player characters killed and betrayed the other one. Oh, snap. It was kind of cool and sad. And now. Don't ask me why. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to trap you here. Okay. We're. Was that story beat based on the two characters that you were playing as? Yes. No way. Yeah, it was Kashon and Vorg, and Vorg betrayed Kashon um, for some reason. But if you were playing solo as Vorg? Don't know. Question mark? Not sure. Or if Tiora the girl? Yeah, right. I don't know. Guess we'll have to replay value, man. I'm telling oh, you. Oh, wow. They, they did some things right. I think they did. Wow, all of a sudden I'm invested in this world. They just got to start with the ending, apparently. I can't wait to scour the wiki for all the plot details. (laughs) Spoiler alert, there's no plot details on, like, the Wikipedia page. It it is barren. There's no context. I tried to... I tried. Um, That's so funny. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's mostly all there is to it it's a tiny game but it's cool and interesting it's like eight or nine bucks on the eShop. might not be worth it to you whatever but it's like definitely like an afternoon of fun all right all right before we hop off though i'm i'm not past the story here sure and i'm not past talking about it (laughs) yeah right finalizing the game but like yeah what so we we're gonna break the nintendo gems wall here and go into the sony gems right yes this is where i was going Vain. To. okay you weren't done yet right um because yeah tell me about the ps1 version because it's different a little bit it's um it was originally an arcade game but it did get a few home ports it got a native port to the ps1 that had like a few extras i think the intro 
it got like kind of like a more CG intro. Mm. I don't know, maybe it provided more story. Who's yeah. to say? Well, that's what I want to read the back of the jewel case or something. Oh, true. I mean, if you can find scans for it, by all means, uh-huh. fill me in. Yeah, and the PS1, this is something that is unfortunate, actually, because the PlayStation 1 version isn't quite a direct port. It's direct enough, but they actually added an extra mode that is like a little more RPG-esque. It's like a... It's different from like the normal linear arcade mode. You like ascend a tower and like gain levels and upgrade mm-hmm. stats and such and like can save your progress. That's interesting. Yeah, like it sounds cool and like it would have like given even more replay value and made it an even more mm-hmm. cool unique game but i don't know sounds to me like it should have been a game boy advance game <laughs> like scale down the sprites and like make it just a a little side scrolling shooter like i to think me, I'm, I'm thinking of like when there are gradius and like yeah a couple games like that yeah but it would have been worse <laughs> okay, it would have yeah. been a lot worse all right um I th- yeah i'm glad i'm happy that we have like such a faithful port on the switch that's like arcade perfect i'm sad we don't have like the playstation one extra feature because mm-hmm. i think it would have been cool and made it even more fun to play it got a few other home ports for like anthologies like psycho collections and such gotcha playstation 2 i don't know but it's a Gem because it's on the nintendo switch eShop now Yay. and you should you you at least Look for it and read the blurb for yourself. It just is absurd. It's silly. It's so much... It's funny. How recently did this join the Nintendo crew? Um, It was released on the Switch in 2018. Oh, snap. So this isn't a recent development by any means. Not at all. And I guess I, I close out maybe with like the anecdote of why the hell I've been playing it. Mm-hmm. Um, My roommate, the same one featured in art school and such, <laughs> if you want to go back and listen to that. Good episode. Good episode, good episode. Um, He was reminiscing about his childhood and this PlayStation 1 game that he could not remember. He said it was like (laughs) kind, it was like a shoot 'em up sort of. He was playing as a purple guy throwing spears. (laughs) It was nothing to go on. I'd never heard of this game before. Okay, cool. Um, And he recalled a centipede monster and the cover was like maybe purple and orange. This is like (laughs) one of the first video games he ever played. Yeah. Like one of the, like, two three years old one of those kinds of memories Mm -hmm. and he did oh my god the thing you do when you don't know what else to do and he found a list of every single playstation one game ouch and just started scrolling he did it no he didn't i didn't i did (laughs) he did that and got like up to a point and accidentally like hit the back button on his browser or whatever and like (laughs) lost his place (laughs) but through my knowledge my library of alexandria in Uh my brain I swiftly found it on the internet, and I found this game, and I thought it looked cool. And so we played it together. I helped him jog his memory and relive his childhood, and now we have... You're basically uh, a hero. I am a hero, not even basically. Mm-hmm. And now it belongs in the Nintendo's Hall of Fame, for better, for worse. Hooray! Here we are. What an episode, folks. We made it! And and that, that was just a Jimmy, Jimmy episode, man. Who's Jimmy? Jimmy! Jimmy. Yeah, because Famicom Detective Club, you might hate it, you might love it. And Soul Divide, you might hate it, you might hate it. Um, yeah, the options are truly endless. But but that's part of the podcast. It is. Know? I As you said in the beginning, I feel like we've been pretty heavy on Mario and DK and, and Pokemon. And it's nice to divert the spotlight from the heavy hitters every once in a while and kind of... Even if it's a pretty heavy diversion from the spotlight. Yeah. But yeah, I, I was excited to, to talk about this one. I think it's an interesting little speck of gaming history. Absolutely. Same for Famicom Detective Club. For sure. And don't worry, I am actively playing The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild at the moment. Oh, you know. Now that's obscure. Yo, never heard of it. Not even once. But to be honest, this is only my second playthrough ever. Um, really? Yeah. I've only played it the once and loved it and was scared to try again. Uh, so, <laughs> so yeah. are you saying that this might be our Nintendo classic? I don't know of the next episode. Possibly, maybe. It'll be something. But yeah, we'll, we'll be discussing it soon. Cool. All right. Should we get out of here? I think that means that I need to tell you guys to check out Instagram and Facebook. Make sure you follow us because you're missing some good content, especially Instagram. We're, oh yeah. We're doing. We're pretty hot. Oh yeah. Super hot. 
Make sure you, that you subscribe on the platform that you're listening to us on right now. Yeah, you can follow my musical ventures at weave.bandcamp.com. It's W-E-A-V, or just search that same term on Spotify or whatever your musical platform of choice is. Check the description for email, Discord, any other ways to reach us. And thank you guys so much for listening, sticking with us. Yeah, we'll see you all next time. Have a good one. Love you.